May the Lord even bless those words to our hearts that we have just read together. Can we open our Bibles, please, at Psalm 72, please? We'll just read again some verses from the Word of God. We've heard God's Word already tonight read, and we thank the Lord for every word of it. We're glad to be here again with you. It's, it's quite a while since we have been here in person. Uh, 2019 was the last time, I think it was November that year as well, that I was with you. But we're glad uh, to be with you tonight and we trust that the Lord will richly bless us all. It is a privilege to be able to come along and to seek to minister from the Word of God itself. I was talking to another council member when I was coming down the road in the train. On the phone, Mr. McClung, he has another meeting tonight, and there was a matter he was ringing me about while I was on the, the train, and he asked me to pass on to you all his uh, thoughts tonight and his prayers that the Lord would richly bless us, even as we come around God's word, even here in this place this evening. Psalm number 72, just let's quickly read some words here at the opening of this psalm, beginning at the verse 1, Psalm 72 verse 1, Give the king thy righteous, uh, thy judgments, O God, and thy righteousness unto the king's son. He shall judge thy people with righteousness, and thy poor with judgment. The mountains shall bring peace to the people, and the little hills by righteousness. He shall judge the poor of the people. He shall save the children of the needy, and shall break in pieces the oppressor. They shall fear thee as long as the sun and moon endure throughout all generations he shall come down like rain upon the mown grass as showers that water the earth in his days shall the righteous flourish and abundance of peace so long as the moon endures He shall have dominion also from sea to sea and from the river on to the ends of the earth. We'll end our reading there at the verse 8 and we trust that the Lord will bless the reading of these words to our hearts. I want us uh, to take as our text but really as a sounding board for moving out into a wider consideration of our subject tonight when will there be peace in Jerusalem we think of those words there in the verse 7 of this psalm in his days shall the righteous flourish and abundance of peace so long as the moon endureth and if you will quickly just turn over to the prophecy of Isaiah and let's just read Two verses there as well in the chapter 9. Isaiah's prophecy, chapter 9, 
those familiar words first of all in the verse 6 but we want to take in the verse 7 as well the verse in the psalm speaks about abundance of peace well listen to what we find here in Isaiah chapter 9 and the verse 6 and 7 for unto us a child is born unto us a son is given and the government shall be upon his shoulder and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace there shall be no end. Upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice. From henceforth even for ever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Particularly think of that last title there in the verse 6, the Prince of Peace. <coughs> of the increase of his government and peace there shall be no end upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and establish it with judgment and with judgment from henceforth even forever the zeal of the Lord of hosts shall perform this and with these scriptures uh, before us tonight let's just seek the Lord in a word of prayer and seek his help and blessing upon us tonight as we come around his truth. Father in heaven, we do thank thee tonight that we gather here yet again in the midst of thy mercies. Lord, we thank thee for thy hand upon every single one of us in bringing us here safely. Lord, we recognize that it is only through thy grace that we can know the daily benefits that we do. And Lord, we thank thee tonight for gathering us here into this meeting place and for the privilege and the opportunity of ours of, uh, that it is to open up the scriptures of truth. And we pray tonight that thou wilt close us in with thyself, that thou wilt close out the world and all the thoughts of the world. And that we will know what it is to be shut in with thee. And Lord, tonight, that there will be a real sense of thy presence. That we will hear thy speaking voice showing to us those matters that need our attention. O Lord, come and be our instructor tonight. And help these lips of clay to speak as they ought to the glory and the honour of our Lord and Saviour. Oh, we thank thee that thou art coming again, and thou wilt sit upon that throne that is yours by right. And Lord, that you will reign in righteousness. O oh Lord, lift up our eyes to that day. Lord, let us see the glory of that day and the wonder of that day. And may we be drawn out after thee tonight. And may all that's said and done be to thy glory and to thy honour. For Christ's sake. Amen. Amen.
When will there be peace in Jerusalem? That's the question that's before us in this meeting this evening. Peace is surely a matter dear and precious to the hearts of all. There is something deep down in man that yearns to have and to know peace. That's common to all. It is a subject we hear a great deal about today, especially in the political sphere. The world over, men are claiming that this is their goal in life. This is what it is they strive to achieve, peace. The leaders of the great nations pontificate so often upon this subject. And clear it is that they would like us to believe that they are striving. They are striving with every fibre of their being to achieve peace. Especially peace in those troubled parts of the world. Great world organisations have been established with this professed goal, the achieving of world peace. Innumerable conferences are, it would appear, constantly being arranged and all with the aim and the objective to bring about peace, to bring together warring factions. To have them sit down around the table and, as it were, hammer out some sort of peace deal. Yet, the sad reality remains, notwithstanding all the professed efforts, notwithstanding all the talking, the fact, the inescapable fact remains, this is still today a troubled War-scarred world. History past records a bitter tale of the lack of real lasting peace. Man is in truth a stranger to true peace. Yes, and that is just how it will continue to be until that wonderful event. The coming, the appearing, the manifestation of the Lord Jesus Christ in glory. Nothing will change in this world. Peace will continue to elude man no matter what efforts he makes until the end of this age and the coming again in glory of our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ. And we make that statement tonight standing four square upon the testimony of the scriptures themselves. For we learn of the coming of that last great human ruler Antichrist in the scriptures. And when he will appear, 
we are told by the very same scriptures that he will come promising peace. And under his shadow men will believe that they have achieved peace and safety. Only to find, as the Holy Spirit puts it, only to find sudden destruction falling upon their heads. Over there in the New Testament, Paul writes and tells us that very thing in 1 Thessalonians. Do you remember the words? Let's just turn them up and read them this evening. 1 Thessalonians 5 and the verse number 3. 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 3. For when they shall say peace and safety. They're thinking they have achieved their goal. Peace and safety. Then... Sudden destruction cometh upon them as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. <coughs> this is how things will continue. Peace will continue to elude man until the coming again of the Lord Jesus Christ Himself. And what can be said of the earth in general? Most certainly is also true when we come to think of Israel and specifically of the city of Jerusalem. Down through history, trouble, war, conflict, fighting has engulfed that city. Her history is one of war and contention. And that continues to this very day. Jerusalem is certainly yet the melting pot as it were and that will continue to be the case likewise up until the moment the saviour appears if we turn just once more to that book we have already had read to us the book of Zechariah and the chapter 12 of the prophecy of Zechariah and the verses 2 and 3 we read there these words Behold, Zechariah chapter 12, verses 2 and 3. Behold, I will make Jerusalem a cup of trembling unto all the people round about when they shall be in the siege, both against Judah and against Jerusalem. And in that day will I make Jerusalem a troublesome stone for all people all that burden themselves with it shall be cut in pieces through all the all the people of the earth be gathered together against it she's here described as a troublesome stone to the nations and that is how it will continue until the uh, appearing of the savior but then How different things will be. But then, what a wonderful transformation there will be. Just stop and think about that for a moment tonight. One of the most troubled spots in this old world. And can we not, with justification, say tonight, the most troubled spot in all the earth 
will know in that day, the day of Christ's appearing, she will be known as a city, the city of peace. In her shall reign he who is called in our texts tonight the Prince of Peace himself. And from her as a result, peace will flow out as yet unknown to man in this sinful world. So can we then take up this question this evening? When will there be peace in Jerusalem? And just quickly, let me emphasize this before we come to the subject proper. And let me remind each one here tonight, as we approach the subject, this is a subject for which we are all called to pray. We're specifically told in the scriptures of truth that we are to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. And the fact that we are told to pray for this matter, does it not emphasize to us? Does it not underscore for us that here's a matter of extreme importance? In Psalm 122 and the verse 6, we are told that very thing. Psalm 122 verse 6, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. They shall prosper that love thee. This is something for which we are specifically told to pray. This must then make this a matter of great interest to every Bible believer. To everyone tonight that loves God's truth. Who wants to walk in the will and the purpose of God. Here's a matter of importance for it's a matter that the Holy Spirit himself has specifically told us to pray. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. So then when? When is it that Jerusalem is to know peace? Well let me first of all say tonight... Peace will only come to Jerusalem when she is brought to no longer trust in the arm of flesh. To date, oh, the Jew has returned to his own land and he is fighting with every fibre of his being to keep that land. But to date the Jew believes he can by his own power save himself. He has, he thinks by his own ability the power to overcome those enemies that he faces. Looking back over recent history. A history in which he has endured fierce opposition, he says. We have overcome. We have overcome every foe. The storm has raged against us, but we have overcome. And just as we have overcome in the past, so we will do in the future. But he's placing his confidence in in the arm of flesh. 
Oh, without question, he has come through much persecution and suffering unimaginable to us tonight. There's no doubt about that. But does he not fail to properly see and understand the reason for his endurance? The overwhelming mercy and goodness of Jehovah. It is their father's God who has kept his promise, his word. That's that's the soul. That's the real reason. But as yet, the Jew in his unbelief fails to fully grasp that fact. So then, before true, genuine, lasting peace will ever be realized in Jerusalem, the Lord will break this spirit of self-confidence and self-reliance. To do this, of course, God will bring him through the furnace. He will put them in the melting pot, as it were, if you like. Removing every particle of self-trust and self-reliance. As Christ told them while he was still here upon earth, him they refused. He who had come forth from the Father, they refused. But another would come, another would come in his own name, but him they would embrace. If you turn over with me there to John's Gospel chapter 5. You'll read those very words in the verse 43. John 5 and the verse and the verse 43. Remember what the Saviour said? I am come in my Father's name. And ye receive me not. If another shall come in his own name. Him ye will receive. And it is when they will embrace this false Christ, then then will be fulfilled those words of the prophet Jeremiah in Jeremiah chapter 30 and the verse 7. Then will be the time, the time of Jacob's trouble. Jeremiah 30 verse 7. Alas, for the day is great so that none is like it. It is even the time of Jacob's trouble, but ye shall be saved out of it. The time of Jacob's trouble will be when Israel embraces the false Christ, having refused the true Christ. Oh, there are other scriptures that might be looked at and well for us to look at tonight as we as we think of this day of Jacob's trouble. If you turn with me again... Uh, to the, the, the prophecy of Zechariah. We're making a lot of references to Zechariah uh, tonight, but it is a portion rich with content upon this matter. Zechariah chapter 13. If we just read from the verse 7 there, that final part of the 13th chapter of Zechariah. Awake, O sword, against my shepherd and against the man that is my fellow, saith the Lord of hosts. Smite the shepherd and the sheep shall be scattered and I will turn mine hand upon the little ones. And it shall come to pass... 
that in all the land, saith the Lord, two parts thereof shall be cut off and die. But the third shall be left therein, and I will bring the third part through the fire, and will refine them as silver is refined, and I will try them as gold is tried, and they shall call on my name, and I will hear them. I, I, I will say, it is my people, and they shall say, the Lord is my God. Look at the the verse 2 in the following chapter, chapter 14. For I will gather all nations against Jerusalem to battle, and the city shall be taken, and the houses rifled, and the women ravished, and half of the city shall go forth into captivity, and the residue of the people shall not be cut off from the city. Over in Daniel's prophecy as well, we find the words in the chapter 12 and the verse 1 that indicate this time of trouble, the time of Jacob's trouble. In Daniel chapter 12 verse 1, and in that time shall Michael stand up, the great prince which standeth for the children of thy people, and there shall be a time of trouble, such as never was since there was a nation even to that same time. And at that time thy people shall be delivered, every one that shall be found written in the book. We might also take in some words uh, from that very important chapter, Matthew chapter 24 and the verse 21 and 22 where we read, For then shall be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time, no, nor ever shall be. And except those days should be shortened, there should no flesh be saved. But for the elect's sake, those days shall be shortened. While Satan hopes to wipe Jerusalem from off the face of the earth at this time, the Lord has an altogether different purpose, a different end. And that is the humbling of them and the taking from them of all hope of them saving themselves. You see, God's methods in dealing with sinful men, they are consistent. They do not alter. Man has to be brought to the place as Israel will be brought to the place in this day. We have only the potential of destroying ourselves. And Israel will be brought to know this. In this time that is called the time of Jacob's trouble. When will there be peace in Jerusalem? When the Jew is brought to an end of himself. When he's brought to an end of himself. When he is brought to the place where he no longer has any confidence in the arm of flesh. But genuine peace will be known in Jerusalem 
only when she owns and when she confesses her great sin. What was the great sin she committed, you ask? Well, put most simply, it was her rejection, her refusal of her Messiah. Just here, we could think of the words of the Lord Jesus Christ as he views Jerusalem and views her as she's about to make this terrible error. In Matthew chapter 23, and the verse 37, we read these words, words of the Savior as he looks over Jerusalem, seeing what she's about to do, he says, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, Thou that killest the prophets and stonest them which are sent unto thee, how often would I have gathered thy children together, even as a hen gathereth her chickens under her wings, and you would not. Behold, your house is left unto you desolate. For I say unto you, ye shall not see me henceforth till you see until you say, Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem. He's mourning here. Luke, in his account, in his gospel, records the Saviour weeping. In chapter 19 of Luke's gospel, the verse 41, there he says, And when it was come, And when he was come near, he beheld the city and wept over it, saying, If thou hadst known, even thou, at least at this this thy day, the things that belong unto thy peace, but now they are hid from thine eyes, for the day shall come upon thee. That thine enemies shall cast a trench about thee, and compass thee in round about, and keep thee on every side, and shall lay thee even with the ground, and thy children within thee. And they shall not leave in thee one stone upon another, because thou knowest not the time of thy visitation. Jerusalem's failure, you see, to embrace The Christ foretold in her own scriptures has brought her into deep sorrow. True peace then can only come to Jerusalem when this sin is owned and repented of. You see, and we must realise this, and it's something that must be emphasised even to the church of Jesus Christ today. Genuine peace goes hand in hand with true repentance. And it is when Jerusalem repents that she will know peace. Once more, we go back again to familiar ground tonight, to the book of Zechariah and the chapter 12 and the latter verses of That chapter, Zechariah chapter 12, beginning at the verse 9. And it shall come to pass in that day that I will seek 
to destroy all the nations that come against Jerusalem. And I will pour, listen to it, upon the house of David and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and of supplications. And they shall look upon me whom they have pierced and they shall mourn for him as one mourneth for his only son and shall be in bitterness for him as one is in bitterness for his firstborn. In that day shall there be a great mourning in Jerusalem as the mourning of Hadarim in the valley of Megiddo and the land shall mourn every family apart the family of the house of David apart and their wives apart the family of the house of Nathan apart and their wives apart. The family of the house of Levi apart and their wives apart. The family of Shimei apart and their wives apart. All the families that remain, every family apart and their wives apart. The picture here is a striking one. This is not... Just a mere saying sorry. This is not just a surface deep apology. With no real meaning. No. This is something that is real. Something that is substantial. Something that is genuine. I'm afraid the notion that passes for true repentance today is a very shallow one. It's very far removed from that which is revealed to us in the scriptures of truth, that which the Bible speaks about. However, the repentance of Israel and Jerusalem, as here depicted, is true, it's real, it's genuine, because... We are told here in Zechariah, it is born of the Holy Spirit himself. Just glance down those verses that we have read. There's mourning, there's bitterness here. There's a recognition, full and complete, of the enormity of the crime that has been committed. It is compared to one in mourning for his only son. And by the way, no no greater calamity could overtake a father, could overtake a home in the Jewish culture than this. Also, it's likened on to the mourning that took place. For Josiah. And in these two examples, we have a, a picture of private mourning and also public mourning. This was a universal mourning. All here mourn, from the greatest to the smallest. You will note. The word and the passage as well apart. They mourn apart. This was not just 
when in company of others that they mourned. They mourned over this matter when alone. It was not a mourning that was merely for public consumption. No, this, I'm telling you, has all the marks here of genuine mourning. When will there come peace to Jerusalem? When she mourns her rejection of her Messiah. But lasting peace will come, let me say thirdly tonight, to Jerusalem. When her true king is revealed from heaven in all his glory and sits upon the throne of David. Our first two points tonight have focused upon Jerusalem herself. But here now we come to what I will term tonight as the key to the answer of this question. The pivotal moment. The one without which everything else will be unavailing. Peace comes to Jerusalem when the Prince of Peace himself comes to sit on Zion's throne, to sit on David's throne. We emphasize the words tonight in Isaiah 9 verse 6. He's the Prince of Peace. And when he comes to reign, there will be peace. The Lord never makes idle promises. And do you remember the promise that he made to Mary? When speaking about the Saviour's birth. In Mark, or in Luke's Gospel, the chapter 1, and the verse 32, we read these words. Luke chapter 1, verse 32 and and let me emphasize the Lord never makes idle promises every promise God makes he will fulfill and here in Luke chapter 1 verse 31 we read these words and behold thou shalt conceive behold thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus Verse 32, he shall be great and shall be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father, David. That's not speaking about the throne that Christ sits on today in heaven. That's his his throne as God's eternal son. But here the promise is that he would sit upon the throne of his father David. The son of the highest has not yet sat upon the throne of David. During the days of his first coming he was offered that throne but he refused it. Because the hour had not come. But he will sit upon that throne he will sit upon his father's throne as was promised as was foretold to Mary and when he does as it's put in that verse in Psalm 72 verse 7 
there will be abundance of peace. In that day he will pl- place his feet on the head of Antichrist himself and destroy his forces. As is pictured for us in Nebuchadnezzar's dream. Explained by Daniel in Daniel chapter 2 and the verse 45 where we read these words. The stone cut out of the mountain without hands and that it break in pieces the iron, the brass, the clay, the silver and the gold. In other words, all that belongs to the kingdom of man, Christ will destroy, he will overcome. He will set himself alone upon David's throne. By his own arm alone, he will save his people, as is shown to us in the opening verses of Isaiah chapter 63. He will come bringing deliverance himself alone. Because it is his throne by right, the prophet Ezekiel tells us. In Ezekiel chapter 21 we read those words that it's his throne by right. Ezekiel chapter 21 and the verse 26 Ezekiel chapter 21 verse 26. Thus saith the Lord God. Remove the diadem. Take off the crown. This shall not be the same. Exalt him that is low. And abase him that is high. I will overturn, overturn, overturn it. And it shall be no more. Until he come whose right it is. And I will give it him until he come, whose right it is. That throne belongs to Christ. And it is then, in that day, during the reign of Christ upon David's throne, then Jerusalem will know peace as she has never known before. Her inhabitants. Will then no peace her children, as we read in Zechariah chapter 8, her children will play safely without fear in her streets. What a different picture that is to how Jerusalem is today. There's never been a day like that yet. But it will come. It will come when? It will come when Christ sits upon that throne that is his. David's throne. But let me say lastly tonight and quickly. True peace will only be known in Jerusalem. When righteousness proceeds from her throne. Let this be underscored in our hearts as well. Because I firmly believe it's it's a point that is. Not understood today by many, many professing Christians. Peace and righteousness are inseparable. You can't have one without the other. I find that 
It is a truth that needs to be driven home with power to the hearts of God's own people today. You can't have peace without righteousness. Even professing believers seem to think you can have the blessing of peace all the while ungodliness and unrighteousness reigns impossible. Impossible. The scriptures of truth do not impart to us such a view. The very opposite is the case. True peace, genuine peace, lasting peace will only be known by men as heaven's rule is followed. Can it be more plainly stated than it is stated by the prophet Isaiah in those familiar words at the end of Isaiah chapter 57 verses 20 and 21 where he says, But the wicked are like the troubled sea. When it cannot rest, whose waters cast up mire and dirt, there is no peace, saith my God, to the wicked. No peace to the wicked. God very clearly and unmistakably declares it to us. The Lord will in the end of days show to man the faithfulness of this long stated truth. This truth rejected and disbelieved. But in Christ's reign on earth it will be manifested and it will be seen so vividly then it will be manifested the truth that wickedness can't bring peace while wickedness reigns there can't be peace peace is the reward of righteousness these two things go hand in hand rulers must do justly If blessing is to be known. Very early on that truth is emphasized. If you turn away back to 2 Samuel the chapter 23. 2 Samuel the chapter 23. And the verse 3 we read there these words. 2 Samuel 23 verse 3. The God of Israel said, the rock of Israel spake to me. He that ruleth over men must be just ruling in the fear of God. And this is going to be manifest to all the world when Christ reigns. Because he's going to reign in righteousness. When will peace come to Jerusalem? When righteousness proceeds from Jerusalem's throne. That's when it will be. There is no other way but this. There is no other path that leads to peace but the way of righteousness. The wicked are like a troubled sea. We look for peace in Jerusalem when? 
Well, it will be when the righteous king of Jerusalem, king of Zion, ruleth in judgment and doeth justly. That's when it will be. That's when it will be. And that's a message that's repeated over and over again. We haven't time tonight, but there are many scriptures that we might indeed turn to to establish this truth. Peace will come to Jerusalem when, when righteousness proceeds from the throne of Zion. But let me close just tonight with those words again that have been read for us this evening. In Jeremiah 23... Familiar words, but words that again emphasize this very point we have been making in closing. Verse 5, Behold, Jeremiah 23, verse 5, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will raise unto David a righteous branch, and a king shall reign and prosper. Have we not seen in recent days how short-lived our prime ministers have been? But here's a king. He, he is reigning and he's prospering. We're going into recession. The country's going down today. Why is that? Because of sin. But here's a king. He's reigning and he's prospering. And shall execute judgment and righteousness, or, uh, and, uh, judgment and justice in the earth. In the earth. It's going to be de demonstrated. That law that has been established for thousands of years, written down and declared by God, is going to be manifest. And in his days, Judah shall be saved. And Israel shall dwell safely. What's that a picture of? It's a picture of Jerusalem and peace. Jerusalem and peace. And this is the name whereby he shall be called. The Lord our righteousness. Oh tonight. Tonight, what a wonderful picture is this. Peace reigning in Jerusalem. But all of these steps that we have followed tonight, they have a gospel application to each and every one of us. If you want to know peace tonight in your heart and in your soul, then you must come to recognize that you haven't power to save yourself. And that the only hope that you have is by confessing your sin in true repentance and turning to Christ and looking for his salvation and for him to come and to reign and to prosper in your heart. Oh, tell me this tonight, dear soul, is that true of you? Is Christ reigning in your heart? Oh, there is a glorious day coming without question. God's word assures us that Christ will reign in righteousness in Jerusalem. And then will flow out from Jerusalem peace to all the earth. But tonight is Christ reigning in your heart. As we close this meeting tonight, we put out that challenge. Is Christ reigning in your heart? May the Lord bless his word.
for Christ's sake. Amen.